Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Tuesday, May 3rd. I'm Jonathan All, in for Wayne Pratt. In the farming world, talking about climate change is typically off the table. We don't use the word climate change. In the agricultural community, that becomes a political term. Find out about a program that's making farms more climate-friendly anyway, coming up on The Gateway. If a leaked draft of a U.S. Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade is finalized, the impact on Missouri's policy and politics could be profound. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum has more on the reaction to the possible end to most abortions in Missouri. Politico obtained a draft that would overturn previous decisions enshrining the right to an abortion. That would allow states to decide whether abortion is legal, and Missouri lawmakers passed a law in 2019 that would ban abortion except in the case of medical emergencies. That measure is currently being litigated in court. In the meantime, Republicans like U.S. Senator Josh Hawley praised Justice Samuel Alito's draft as, quote, a heck of an opinion. But Democratic Senate contenders like Lucas Kuntz and Trudy Bush-Valentine called for Congress to codify the right to an abortion in federal law, signaling the court's next move could be a major issue in the midterm elections. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. The city of St. Louis and the Missouri Department of Transportation evicted homeless residents from two encampments yesterday. The camps were located in downtown St. Louis along the viaduct at Interstate 44 and Cole Street. City officials are also planning to clear another homeless encampment along the Mississippi Riverfront near Laclede's Landing, but are trying to secure housing for residents first. Trina Scott lives at the Riverfront encampment. She says St. Louis officials should reconsider their plans and let residents stay. The city's got a lot going on, you know, and they're already full to capacity of of issues that they need to deal with. We don't want to be a part of that issue. We just want to be left alone. Scott made those comments on St. Louis on the Air. The levee system that stretches from Alton to Columbia in Illinois is again certified to protect against a 100-year flood. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports the Federal Emergency Management Agency made the final sign-off last week. FEMA had threatened to take away certification in 2007 after the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers determined the 65-mile stretch of levees might be compromised. The agency didn't follow through because Madison, St. Clair, and Monroe counties established a flood prevention district council to fix the issues. Chuck Edwards supervises construction and works for the council. He says there wasn't anything expressly wrong with the levees, which were built in the 1940s and 50s. The only thing that changed over the many years was engineering standards and the measurement of flood risk. Everything that we've done is to uh, stabilize the levees. Edward says the next step is getting them certified to withstand a 500-year flood. I'm Eric Schmidt, St. Louis Public Radio. Educators around the state of Illinois say students are over-tested and they feel the state's proposal to revamp its spring testing program is not a solution. The Illinois State Board of Education is considering replacing the spring test with three shorter tests throughout the year to provide quicker results. Dan Montgomery is president of the Illinois Federation of Teachers. He says he's skeptical that the plan will lead to less testing. Many school districts are doing their own local standardized assessments, a la NWEA or other. They're 
there are plenty of others too. And those don't necessarily go away if ISBE adds the through the year testing. In fact, I would doubt many, if any of them would go away. Teachers say they want assessments that are part of their curriculum and don't take away from instruction. The state committee is reviewing a report with feedback from educators and is expected to present recommendations to the Board of Education. The agriculture industry accounts for 10% of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. And yet, polls show that most conventional farmers in the Midwest don't believe humans are the cause of climate change. Harvest Public Media's Dana Cronin reports on a program that finds common ground between what farmers do believe and the fight against climate change. The story was produced with the Food and Environment Reporting Network. This is a story about climate change, but to get there, we're going to start with a different environmental issue, one that farmers think about a lot, soil erosion. Lynn Warfell has farmed corn and soybeans in Illinois pretty much his whole life, and he's watched a lot of soil disappear. All of a sudden, there would, you know, a whole bunch of the soil would be gone. There would be a, a ravine there, kind of, a, you know, a small ravine where I used to have soil. The Midwest has lost about a third of its topsoil since Europeans first settled here. It's a problem that, unlike climate change, is urgent for many farmers. Some are taking action, like Joe Rothermel, who I met at his favorite pancake house. Soil's a finite resource, you know, and um, we've already lost half our organic matter. Rothermel also grows corn and soybeans. He is so worried about soil erosion that a few years ago, he set out to help farmers better protect that resource. He and his colleague, Steve Steerwalt, co-founded a program right here at this pancake house called STAR, which stands for Saving Tomorrow's Agriculture Resources. So many people understand, you know, rating things by stars. You know, I don't know, you, you may have been to a restaurant and, and then you check to see what the star rankings of it are before you go. Here's how it works. If you're a star farmer, you farm with as many star practices, practices that are good for the soil, as you can. The more you use, the higher rating your individual farm fields receive. So what does this have to do with climate change? Well, from Steve and Joe's perspective, not much. We don't use the word climate change. In the agricultural community, that becomes a political term. But even though they don't talk about it, the type of farming STAR encourages helps to mitigate climate change. Because preventing soil erosion also keeps carbon in the ground. To show you what I mean, let's go back to Lynn Warfell's farm for a minute. He joined STAR a couple years ago and started planting cover crops on some of his land to protect his soil. So what you see right there is cereal rye. Cereal rye is a winter crop that goes in between harvesting and planting corn and soybeans. The cover crop's root system helps keep his soil in place and also sequesters a ton of carbon from the atmosphere. Warfels also stopped tilling or turning his soil as much. Tillage starts a chain reaction in the soil, which causes carbon to be released. Now, instead of tilling this star field, what Warfell does is more like... Just uh, scratching the soil, and now we're scratching it less and less. So the star program is inadvertently enlisting more conventional farmers in the fight against climate change. And that aligns with President Biden's goal for American agriculture to capture the same amount, if not more, of carbon as it emits. 
Paige Buck is with the USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service in Illinois. We've been hoping for something like this for a long time. It started in Illinois, and now it's spreading. Buck says the USDA has been glad to see STAR spread into other states, including Iowa, Indiana, and Colorado. She says what makes STAR so effective is that it's farmer-led and farmer-trusted. Sometimes getting advice from, from the government or from getting it online, sometimes that's, that's not what a farmer needs. What they need to do is they need to hear it from another farmer. She says we need more programs like that in order to mitigate the worst effects of climate change. I'm Dana Cronin, Harvest Public Media. This story comes to us from Hot Farm, a new podcast from the Food and Environment Reporting Network about the intersection of agriculture and climate change. You can listen to Hot Farm wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been a historic episode of The Gateway the first time the podcast has ever been produced in St. Louis Public Radio's Rolla Bureau. The executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio is Shula Newman, and Shula said to me, Jonathan Wayne's under the weather. Can you step in and do the gateway and anchor from Rolla? And I said, no problem. I Rolla with the punches. The music is by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. We are a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. I'm Jonathan All, and from the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.